It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night, November 19th of the year of our Lord, 2020. We are jam-packed tonight, as jam-packed as you could possibly be. It's the middle of college football season. How would we not be jam-packed? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. We got six games to break down tonight. We got predictions coming, both straight up and against the number on all of them. If you missed our Indiana, Ohio State, Tennessee, Auburn, Oklahoma State OU prediction videos. They're on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, which, by the way, you should already be subscribed to if you haven't already. But if you haven't, please do so. It's free. Uh, we also have the latest, the very latest. Had a lot of fun talking about this lately. Had a lot of interaction about the South Carolina coaching search as recently as 15 minutes ago. A lot of, a lot of back and forth internally here about, are they really serious about this candidate? Is that candidate really in play? Well, we're going to try and sort out fact from fiction and I think there's just a lot of varying degrees of opinion right now. So we're going to get to that in due time. Also, we got the mood tracker tonight. We're going to hit Bama, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Southern Cal, because I think there are very unique angles to take on all of those programs. We'll do that more. Plus, we have the Ramen Noodle Express. we got best bets coming up. I handed one out earlier today. I handed it out this afternoon at a very specific time for a very specific reason on Twitter. That line has moved four points since I handed it out. I hope you were following me at Late Kick Josh. If you haven't already, please do so there. Cause four points, fair amount of value that you lost there. Suffice it to say, um, you know, I was talking to someone earlier today about something completely unrelated, and then the topic of our show came up. And they what the, what they expressed to me was a perfect microcosm. I think of what a lot of you think. I get it all the time in our Twitter inbox. I read every email you send. I read every DM you send me. Uh, so thank you for that. But I just wanted to basically say thank you for noticing the way we do things a little bit different around here and the roads that we don't go down and the roads that we do go down. And, and I understand because you guys tell me constantly, you give me free market research, the places you used to go, the content watering holes you used to go to to get your college football, they don't give it to you like you want it anymore. I know that because I'm one of you. That's the entire reason I started doing radio several years ago and then started this show independently and now have been able to bring it to 24-7. So I don't see enough shows out there like this. It's just, just information, man, it's, it's, and it's nothing else. It's nothing else that you don't want mixed in. So I was talking to someone earlier today, and they were expressing that, and it kind of made me realize I had said thank you in a little while for that. So thank you for that, and we really appreciate you noticing and other folks are making you pay, putting stuff behind a paywall, we're doing it free. And it's going to be free here for a significant time to come, as far as I can tell. So thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe again if you haven't already. Also, and these are just side notes. I had a lot to get to. I got a whole sheet full of just basic random stuff before we get into game predictions. I would encourage you to take a few minutes later tonight or tomorrow, whenever you're watching this or listening to this, 
And I would encourage you to go to the front page of 247sports.com and check out Chris Hummer's feature on Mac Jones, quarterback at Alabama. It's really good. It's really in-depth. He took uh, several weeks on it. I mean, I, I had no clue when the thing was coming out. I've seen him talking about it for a couple of weeks. Really, really thoroughly vetted and well done. So I would encourage you to check that out. And also, right ahead of this Indiana-Ohio State game, Brandon Marcello uh, got Tom Allen one-on-one, the head coach at Indiana. And Tom Allen, now I've never met Tom Allen. I've always heard good things from afar. But I can tell he and I, I think, may be best friends if we ever met for no other reason than this. Marcelo did a great feature on him. But the one thing I took away was he was talking about their bowl game against Tennessee last year. And they had a nice season, and they were building towards something. And then they play Tennessee and I think, led the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Gator Bowl or something like that. It was down in Jacksonville. And... Um, I remember because we were coming home from the Citrus Bowl and like drove straight through Jacksonville while it was happening. And so that's a side note. That's irrelevant. But Tom Allen shoots down the, the complete myth, the complete fabrication that is bowl momentum. So they were up. I think they had like a two-possession lead on Tennessee. Tennessee scores twice late in the game to win the game. Tom Allen tells Brandon Marcello, you know, in retrospect, it's probably a good thing that happened. No one liked that it happened. But if we won that game... Who's to say that a lot of folks around here wouldn't have taken the attitude that they could just skip a few of the very important steps we had left to go in the growth process and maturation of this program? Who's to say that we would have found the need to go through those collectively if we would have won that game? Who's to say we wouldn't have arrived to camp or whatnot this year with a we've arrived mentality? So again, for the 47th time, bowl momentum is irrelevant. Bowl momentum, the, the, the... a lot of people think it matters. I don't think it matters. The value people put in bowl momentum, it's gone about the second session of the first practice of spring football. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Nowhere this year have you ever found yourself watching a football game and it's third and short and it's tie game and you're saying, uh, oh man, let me see. Let me see if they won their bowl. Uh, they lost their bowl game last year. Yeah, they probably won't convert this. No one thinks that way. It's just filler. It's just stuff people put in headlines because they don't have anything better to say in the offseason when they're trying to put a preview magazine together. So thank you so much, Tom Allen. Now let's get into stuff that actually matters this weekend on the field. Let's talk about predictions for week 12. Again, we've already gotten a number of them out of the way. We're going to do several more tonight. Mississippi State is playing Georgia Saturday. This probably isn't on your radar. Georgia is a several touchdown favorite. I think they're favored by about 25 and a half right now. It's the Saturday 7:30 Eastern game on SEC Network. I hit Colin with this number a second ago and he had a hard time believing it. And I don't blame him because when I saw this number I'm about to give to you last night, I had a hard time believing it. Steve Robertson and Paul Jones and the guys over at our Mississippi State 24/7 site, they've been tracking the scholarship situation at Mississippi State in the roster there. What if I told you that they are going into Athens, Georgia Saturday with 54 scholarship players? You'd say, oh, that's not shocking, Josh, because it's COVID year. So how many guys do they have out for COVID? None. That's the point. None. They've had so many injuries and so many opt-outs and guys have just walked away from the program this year. They're sitting at 54 scholarship players without COVID being an interrupter this week, as far as we know. Those, those are very dire circumstances, to say the least. So they go in there, and because of all that, I mean, they're at a significant roster disadvantage. JT Daniels is getting the start for Georgia Saturday. We thought he was going to get it last week. Game got postponed. So he's getting the start this week. 
What do we expect from him? Well, I think there are varying degrees of expectations out there. I have spoken to some of you as recently as like 30 minutes ago who think he's going to go light the world on fire. I am not of that opinion. Now, I'm excited to see what he offers. I'm excited to just see the ball come out of his hand, first off. We had not seen him this year. Secondly, I'm excited to see the ball come out of his hand uh, because, you know, we keep talking about what Georgia needs, the ability to push the ball down the field, accuracy, poise, all the intangibles along with that that make up a good quarterback. I mean, everyone just assumes JT Daniels has those things, and I hope he does for your sake, for his sake, for all of our sakes. I hope he does. It's good for us when Georgia wins. But I keep going back to this. There is this very false notion out there that this guy's been ready all year, and Kirby Smart's just, um, he's been uh, opposed to winning and putting the best quarterback on the field, so he's just opted to sit JT Daniels. Well, that's obviously not the case. Only a moron would think that. And so there are reasons why he hasn't been on the field. It could be that he just cleared protocols that they had in place, and it just now happened. Or it could be that Hey, we thought Stetson Bennett was our best shot. Hey, we have nothing to lose at this point. Let's give JT Daniels a shot. I there's a there's a morbid side of me that would be fascinated to see what would happen here if you went like 14 for 17 with 235 through the air and three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, what would those halftime message boards look like? Yeah. But having said that, I do expect Georgia to win here. It's probably more realistic with Mississippi State having a pretty good defensive product. It's probably more realistic to see not necessarily a repeat of the Kentucky game, maybe a few more offensive fireworks than that, but I don't think Georgia's necessarily you know, naming the score here, running it up into the 50s or 60s. I do expect a Georgia win because of how limited Mississippi State is offensively. It wouldn't be surprised at the cover either. Our numbers, our model doesn't really lean heavily either way on the spread. So we're going to take Georgia to win. I'll lay the 25 and a half. It's below four touchdowns and that's that kind of murky area where if Georgia's capable, 28's the line of demarcation that I'd uh, draw the line in the sand there on. How about Wisconsin? They're favored by seven. They're on the road at Northwestern. This is a Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Neither of these teams, if you've watched them this year, have given up a ton on the ground. They've been very good. They've forced you to move the ball through the air against them. No one's really done so effectively to this point. So if I were to just state that, and you got Ramsey over here at Northwestern, and of course you got Graham Mertz at Wisconsin, which team does that make you more uncomfortable backing? Does it make you more uncomfortable if I tell you Wisconsin's going to have to move the ball through the air to win? Or does it make you more uncomfortable if I say Northwestern got to move the ball through the air to win? I think most people would probably lean Wisconsin on being safer there. I think the point spread on this game reflects that. But here's the part two to that. We acknowledge part one. Part two is Wisconsin has one of the top run defenses in the country, conference and country, but also I think they're right up there. They may be number one, if not their top five, in fewest penalty yards per game. So what does all that mean? Well, what all of it means is sometimes when you go into these games, you know, in college football games in general, if you'll just outlast the opponent and just be the team that doesn't lose the game, you'll get some default wins in college football. If you're comparable enough roster-wise, you can count on the other guy to lose a few games a year for you. Wisconsin's not doing that. So you're going to have to beat them. You can beat them, but you're going to have to beat them. And the part three there, to even further drive that point home, I think they have one turnover all year. So they're not beating themselves. um, And as a result, I don't expect anything crazy here. I like Wisconsin's edges, even on the road. So I'm going to take them to win. However, our model, I think, had Wisconsin minus five. So I will lean ever so slightly towards Northwestern plus those seven points, but I will take Wisconsin to win outright. 
Kentucky at Alabama. Again, probably not a game on a lot of radars, but I have a reason for why you need to pay attention to this game. Bama favored by 29. That thing's kind of moved north and south of 30 all week. Uh, It's a 4 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, SEC Network. This is the first time we've seen Alabama since that Mississippi State game. It's been two weeks now. Trey Sanders, since then, has been involved in an automobile accident. He's out for the year. Now, I didn't say Najee Harris. I said Trey Sanders. So you still got Najee, still got Brian Robinson. What I'm the most excited to see in this game, though, is how much, and I think the answer is quite significantly, but how much they will use the true freshman running backs they have. Uh, One by the name of Jace McClellan guy that they fought tooth and nail with Oklahoma for and won on that deal. And then the other being Roydell Williams, who was an in-state product for him this past recruiting cycle. I sat right on this stage with Barton and Wilt Fong sat over here. I remember talking about both of those kids on signing day. Well, here they are. Didn't necessarily know if they were going to play significant minutes. Um, You know, it was Bryce Young that we talked about a lot as maybe being the guy who was going to end up being the true freshman that was spotlighted the most. Well, that hasn't been the case. Mac Jones has locked that thing down emphatically. But now maybe you get some noise from those freshman running backs. We've seen Brian Branch, and we've seen some freshman defensive backs. Tim Smith has started to play on the defensive line, excited to see his growth and development. But I was thinking earlier today, I said Mac Jones a second ago. um, I was reading Chris Hummer's feature that I told you to go check out. Second plug for it if you haven't already seen it. Mac Jones, what if Kentucky kept him? What if he stayed at Kentucky? What, what, would, what would Kentucky look like right now? Mac Jones certainly wouldn't have the weapons to work with there. I'm not saying he'd be the same player, but he'd be a much more viable product at quarterback in all likelihood than anything they have on their roster currently. And so I, that was just kind of a side note there for me earlier today. I got Bama winning this game, obviously. How they handle garbage time is the second most fascinating thing here. Do you remember back when they had Tua and he was a true freshman? And Jalen Hurts would be in, and they would get a four-touchdown lead on someone. And then when Tonga Vailoa came in, it wasn't the usual bleed the clock. They were working him. They were trying to get him ready so they'd run the full offense. And there was this string of games where Alabama ran up these absurd scores that you weren't used to seeing Nick Saban do. He, he normally will cut it off in that 41 to 48 range if he's blowing someone out. And they were going 55 points, 58 points, 62 points. And it's because they couldn't keep Tonga Vailoa from scoring for obvious reasons. I expected a similar dynamic this year when Bryce Young got in games. And you haven't really seen that yet. So I wonder, now that they're coming off two weeks, and they've essentially gone through another little mini spring, if you really wanted to, you could have done that. You're going to have some other true freshman play here. They're going to get up on Kentucky Saturday. How they handle garbage time, and if they put Young in, how much of the offense they look to run with him, that and that alone will dictate whether they cover this number. I've got a sneaking suspicion that they're going to want to use a little bit more of that offense a little bit later in this game than they have at some other points this year. So I'm going to take Bama to win, and I actually will lay the 29. I'm going to take Bama to cover, especially if it's under 30. This one got a lot more interesting today. UCLA at Oregon. Oregon favored, when I wrote my notes earlier today, by 13. Well, they're now favored by 17, the reason why I'm coming momentarily. This is a Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. UCLA, if you watch that Sunday game, they rolled Cal on 48 hours advance notice. They handled Cal as a three and a half point dog, by the way, pretty handedly at the Rose Bowl. And our model has kind of struggled with it. Our model almost seems to think that it's a throwaway result. And I'm not so sure I don't agree with it. So 
Um, you know, maybe UCLA was just dynamite waiting to explode, and they did. I watched most of that game. I didn't necessarily get that sense. I just thought it, it was a game that looked like most other games would if you scheduled it 48 hours ahead of time. I, on the other hand, think there's going to be a lot of validation for Oregon this week. Told you how impressive it was, albeit a little bit off the radar, with the way they came from behind and the manner with which they were able to come from behind against Washington State last week. Well, now they're home, and now you've got Joe Moorhead's offense significantly ahead of schedule, as far as my eyeballs can see, and it's defense. It's the area, when I talked to Cristobal back in the spring and we did social distance, he was very excited about their defensive prospects. It was offense, you know, much like everyone else when they looked at Oregon. New quarterback, new offensive line. It was, it was offense that we may have to feel our way out a little bit there. Hey, they were ready. They needed it to fire last week, and, and it was ready. I think both of those sides of that ball may click this week, and it may be that inflection point to where you look at it and you say, Oregon was only favored by 13 or, or 17 now, now that Dorian Robinson is out. Dorian Robinson Thompson, excuse me, is out for UCLA. And that's not official, by the way. If you're wondering about that line move today, it's because he probably is out, quarterback for UCLA. And uh, that's why, you know, we got a little heads up on that. That's why I put that Oregon minus 13 out when I did it on Twitter. So it's a short rest situation for UCLA, too, and it's a road game. Uh, that's all baked into the number. I just say it in case you're not aware of it. I'm going to take Oregon to win here. Love Oregon minus the points this week. Really think it's a statement week for them. Not against the opponent necessarily, but just stylistically. I think it's going to be a good week for Oregon. Last game I wanted to hit on here out on the West Coast is Southern Cal, favored by three at Utah. Saturday night game, actually, 1030 Eastern time on ESPN. Where do you think USC is? Because you got two schools of thought, two trains of thought here that you could buy into. I'm going to talk about Southern Cal a little bit later on in the mood tracker. If you've watched them, they've played Arizona State and Arizona. They've been favored by double digits against both teams. They have squeaked by both teams. So here are the two lanes here. It's two-lane road. Lane one is they're living on borrowed time, and eventually they'll be exposed. That's the lane I'm in. There's another lane where you think maybe they've just bought time, kind of like Auburn. We talked about Auburn this year. They've, they've bought time, and they've gotten by, and they've probably won games. Maybe they shouldn't have won, but whatever. They won them. Well, now they click, and you look back and you say, oh, you should have gotten them when you could. I don't get the sense that the click is coming for Southern Cal, but hey, I've been wrong before. I'll probably be wrong once or twice down the road. I just don't think I am here. Talent on the line of scrimmage, what I'd be most worried about this weekend, in this game in particular for Southern Cal, because the level of it, offensive line and defensive line against Utah, rises significantly relative to what they've seen against AZ State and Arizona so far. And Arizona State, Ran the ball pretty well on them. Arizona threw the ball pretty well on them. I think Utah can have some success too. Now there's a, there's this element of unknown because Utah hadn't played yet, and there is a philosophy. There's a feeling around the Utah program and out west that hey, this secondary probably a notch down from what it's been historically. You know, you got Slovis, you got an offense that should be clicking. There's felt I've felt every time I've watched Southern Cal this year, and I've watched both games they played. It just feels like something's not happening. It feels like there's a spark that's not catching with their offense. You know, maybe this is the week it happens, and that secondary is the vulnerable secondary with which you can expose and you can use it as a springboard. I just don't feel that. So our model leans slightly to Utah. I lean towards them a little bit more than our model does even. I'm going to take Utah plus three. I think Utah is going to win the game outright. 
and those along with the earlier week predictions that are already in individual video form on our 24-7 Sports YouTube channel are our Week 12 predictions. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Got a coaching search going on in Columbia. Been doing, uh, I can't even count it now. I've been doing so much radio in Carolina this week, and I've also been told to stop calling it Carolina. Uh, there's, there are directional names on the front for a reason. So South Carolina is what I'm talking about. Coaching searches are always fun for obvious reasons. Uh, they can be very, very tense if you're involved, but we get to sit over here on the sidelines, so to speak, and we can just kind of analyze from a safe distance. I want to remind you, because I didn't say this the other night and I meant to, be very wary of candidate lists and hot boards and all these things, these, these uh, you know, up and down, stock up and down, and so-and-so has got the momentum right. Now, just be careful with that because a lot of folks are getting played, not just in this coaching search, but any coaching search. Agents are extremely good at what they do. Coaches are extremely good at leveraging. It's an art form. It's as much an art form as calling an offense or defense. And some folks flat out get played. So what I am telling you is take everything with a grain of salt or malapropism of the day, a grain of salt. Malapropism of the day is something I'm heavily leaning towards doing in the offseason. Malapropisms are a wonderful thing. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and if you don't know what one is, look it up after the show. But I got a whole list of them on my iPhone here. Hi, Josh. Uh, about a mile long. And those of you who know me well already know a lot of them. So don't allow yourself to get played by someone who's getting played. There are a lot of candidates that are listed out there that are not a candidate for anything more than getting themselves an extension and a raise and leveraging the South Carolina job opening to do it. So with that in mind, I want to talk about a few guys here. Hugh Freeze. I have flip-flopped on him a little bit, which is fine. I did it with my SEC East pick this year. I'm doing it with Hugh Freeze. I have not flip-flopped on my opinion of how effective he would be in this job or, or any job, really. I have flip-flopped on whether I think he's the right guy for South Carolina. Now, I don't know that he would take the job. I don't know that. Um, I, I am not privy to those conversations. But when I told you the other night, I want a supreme evaluator of talent. I mean, I think Hugh Freeze checks that box. The uh-oh factor, I think he checks that box. I need the dream job factor. I need a guy who views South Carolina a couple of notches above just being a rung on the ladder for you to ultimately get to a destination job. I got to have it be a destination job for you. That's why he's not off a list for me, but he has, he has been knocked down a peg or two for me. Now, 
I spoke to someone close to Billy Napier in the past couple of days, and I don't think this is any kind of breaking news. I mean, it's obvious the dude is a serious candidate for the job. There's interest there. You don't have to have any source or connection whatsoever, I think, to pick up what a lot of folks around the program are putting down. And there's a chance he checks every box. The ones I've talked about here, there's a chance he checks every one of them. However, the million-dollar question, it seems to be, and this is where I want to insert our buddy J.C. Sherbert, and the guy's doing, again, a great job over at TheBigSpur.com covering this entire deal. I won't call it a fiasco or drama. It's just it's a coaching search. Here's the million-dollar question, and this is going to be one that I'm probably going to talk about for several shows in a row now. How important will the voices of former players be in this decision? And there are wildly varying schools of thought out there about how this should be handled. Some people would tell you, I'm not going to take a side on this. Some people would tell you former players are former players for a reason. They're not athletic directors. Uh, They are not search committee members. They're not search firm members. They are former players. They're just that. They've never made a hire in their life in most cases. Not in all cases, but in most cases. So it's great that they're emotional and they're passionate and they're invested. It's great and we'll listen to them, but we're not allowing them to dictate where we go in this coaching search. The other side of that is... They are what make this program. They are the lifeblood. I mean, the passion and the spirit and the blood, sweat, and tears that they invested and they gave everything we asked of them, we absolutely owe it to them to not only listen, but we need them involved in this program. And so it stands to reason they'll be most likely to be involved if we heavily lean towards the candidate that they want to hire. So I say all that because there is a name that's been surging here as of late. And this is where I go back to the big spur. Sherbert has talked about it over there. I've heard a couple other people talking about it, and that is Shane Beamer. I was way out on him initially. I was way out on him for a very obvious reason. I was doing radio with uh, Mark Ryan and the guys at ESPN Upstate just a few minutes before I walked in the office today. We're kind of tossing this back and forth. And the sentiment out there for those who are not in the Shane Beamer camp is, well, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Well, of course he doesn't. Doesn't have a whole lot of head coaching experience, doesn't have the resume necessarily that would convince you he's the right guy for the job. He's not going to. He's not going to have that. But two things can be true at once. It can be true that he doesn't possess the resume that would sell you on the concept that he's the right guy for the job. That could be true. And at the same time, it can be true that he's the right guy for the job. You don't have to look very far in that state. I know you guys are tired of the Clemson comparisons, but I mean, who in the world looked around even after they had hired Dabo Swinney? Clemson fans. Who looked around and said, yep, that's the guy I would have selected. That's the guy that's going to lead us. You watch, four or five years from now, we're going to be taking down Bama in the national championship game. The year after, we almost beat them the first time we faced him. And then a couple years after that, we're going to beat them again in a championship game. We're going to have multiple national title appearances and multiple championship wins under this man. How much head coaching experience did he have? Not a whole lot. Coordinator experience. How much coordinator experience did it have? Not a whole lot. So the point is, you and I could never have known that about Dabo. Because the only way you could know if he, or modern day now, Shane Beamer, the only way you could really know if they're the right guy for the job, well, number one, is to have a very, very firm grasp of what kind of football man you need. Number two, to have been exposed to him and understand if he possesses leadership intangibles and tangibles, leadership characteristics. Number three, what kind of evaluator and developer is he? What kind of recruiter is he? 
What is he like in a closed one-on-one setting, in an interview setting? What kind of vision has he cast for the program? What has he sold me on, if I'm Ray Tanner, that will never leave this room but has totally convinced me he's the right guy for the job? All of these things are things we'll never be privy to. But the fact of the matter is they could happen. They could be happening. And so you could see a hire made here that doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface. They don't have to make sense. They don't award wins for press conferences. They award wins when you get it done on the field through four quarters and overtime if you need to, but your number's bigger than their number on the scoreboard. That's what they hand out wins for. Nothing else. So I know it'd be great to make a big splash. The splash is not necessary. You just got to understand how to swim. Um, There is a benefit here from them being very decisive, them being South Carolina. Do you notice how much attention is on Columbia, South Carolina right now? Everybody's talking about it. Everybody. Because they're operating solo. They made the move. They didn't try and cut off their arm with a butter knife. They just, they made the move. Graphic, I know, but I think it serves the purpose metaphorically. They made the move, and now we're in mid-November, and they're the leaders in the clubhouse for essentially all these candidates. I would imagine they probably have twice the volume of candidates approaching them, or representation or back-channel means approaching them, as you would normally, just because in a normal year you'd have several jobs open. And maybe we end up with that this year, but we haven't so far. You would be very surprised. I want to be careful with what I say here. You would be very surprised at who is interested in this and how many people are reaching out. Anecdote, someone reached out in the coaching world to me today about this job. And believe it or not, as of 728 on this Thursday night, I am not on the coaching search committee. Maybe I should be, maybe I shouldn't be, but that's irrelevant to the point that thus far, Coach Tanner and company have not put me on the search committee, and yet I was reached out for. And I was asked, hey, what you know about this? Hey, what you think about that? And um, so, you know, I assume if people are reaching out to me, they're reaching out by the dozens and dozens and dozens to Ray Tanner. Now, my final thought on this before we move on is I certainly believe Billy Napier is, if you want to call him a leader in the clubhouse, I certainly believe he's a leader in the clubhouse. I also believe, and this is backed up by what uh, JC said on the Big Spur earlier, I think it was yesterday, he said this, I don't think this process is nearly as far along as uh, it's being made out to be. See, a lot of folks have a radio show to do every day or a column to fill every day, and it gets old to just keep saying, well, I've still got a long way to go. We're still early in the process. Eventually, you know, you want to see some forward movement and some traction, and there is probably behind the scenes, but I'm just telling you, I don't expect something to pop over the weekend, shall we say. I really don't think that's happening. I think they're going to take their time, do it right. They know if they get it done right this time, then they could set themselves up for the next decade. So let's hope that's the case. All right, let's go mood tracker. The college football mood tracker, and to put a finer point on it, the fan base mood tracker, something we do almost every week here. It's We cut off the fringes, optimist, pessimist. You go sit in the corner over here. Try and get along. We're going to talk about how the silent majority of the fan base feels. It's the undercurrent. It's the subcurrent. you got to dive deep into message board culture and call-in talk radio culture in order to fully understand this. you got to head over to the barbecue joint and sit there and just eavesdrop and listen to what everyone's saying. That's the only way. You can't sit in a studio 1,500 miles away from fans and know what fans are thinking. So we pride ourselves on having our finger on the pulse of fan bases here. And it's really easy. You know how? because I talk to you every day. So let's start with Alabama. Uh, They are in built-to-cruise mode. And built-to-cruise mode 
is like this. I, for instance, drive a lot from Nashville to Columbus, Georgia. And so, um, you know, it's flip a coin. You can go 65 through Alabama or you can go 24 to 75 and hook up in Chattanooga and go through Georgia. There's going to be construction either way. So any and every one of us who have a driver's license have sat through construction or either there's a wreck on the interstate. And so, you know, you just putter along five miles an hour, three miles an hour, break, five miles, break, three miles, break. There are no better, well, there are a few better feelings in the world, let me put it that way, than finally getting through whatever it is that has slowed you down, and you can finally put your foot back on the gas, and you find, you're going 45 miles an hour, but it feels like you're going 100, because you've been sitting still virtually for so long, and you finally build back up to that cruising speed. Do you remember 63 to 48? Do you remember, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels that long ago, when Nick Saban in Alabama were having to trade points at every turn to beat Ole Miss. Seemed like the defense would never get off the field, and with good reason. They didn't that night very often get off the field. And after that game, well, Bama fans, you're happy to win, but you're looking around and you're saying, first off, this defense is less than a shell of its former self. Secondly, there's no way we're going to be able to stop Clemson or stop Ohio State or whoever we face in the playoff with this defense. And that was true. However, a couple things have changed since then. You know, you went through the bad, now you're kind of building back up to cruising speed. What has happened since then? Well, number one, their defense has improved. I don't know to what degree because they haven't faced an offense to that degree since then. I, um, I'm told they have one scheduled a little ways down the road in Atlanta that should provide a pretty stiff test for them. But I think most reasonable minds would agree. Bama's defense probably a little bit better right now than they were against Ole Miss. Number two, this is probably the more important one. They've seen some vulnerabilities in Clemson's defense. They've watched Ohio State. Ohio State's not lighting the world on fire defensively right now. They're good. Uh, that's about as far as I would go. And so Bama fans all of a sudden look around and say, wait, so is it really just going to be about trading points? Because we can do that. And if this defense is improving to even get to just an average level combined with what we're doing offensively, um, plus these random whispers about Jalen Waddle maybe being able to give it a go in the playoff, but even if he can't, we can do this. Uh, we're kind of speeding back up a little bit here. It's not such a lost cause as it felt like coming out of that Ole Miss game. What about Oklahoma? Oklahoma's got a couple losses already under their belt. But the mood there is not so bad after all. Could be. I almost wish we could push this to Sunday because that could be what the mood is. If you've ever, if you ever cooked anything or like you cut your grass or you've painted a wall and you just don't feel like it's going well at all, you have scalped the yard or, um, you know, sometimes like when I'm shaving my head, I do have to cut my hair occasionally, believe it or not. Sometimes the guard will fall off and I'll just completely dig into the side of my head. Did it last week. And uh, fortunately, Colin had the camera set up where you couldn't see it. Um, that is bad. Now you can't dress that up. That does look bad. But sometimes you're, you're working on something and you think it's going terribly. And then you step back and you admire your work and you say, you know, it's not so bad after all. I thought it, I thought it was going to look a lot worse. Think about an Oklahoma fan right now. Uh, This season has not gone according to plan. Oklahoma was supposed to be locked into one of those four spots for the playoff. Spencer Rattler was going to be a Heisman contender. Defense was going to be much improved this year under Alex Grinch, and it just really didn't happen, although it feels like they're kind of clicking right now. But the point is, no Sooner fan is arguing with me when I say the year hasn't gone according to plan, but think about what bad air quote time. What bad right now is at Oklahoma? You beat Texas. You're favored by seven against Oklahoma State Saturday, so you could end up beating them. Thus, the reason I wish we could wait to Sunday for this segment. 
and I'm the producer of the show. I don't know why we couldn't. But what if in your poor year, in your down year, you're still handing one to Texas and you're handing one to Oklahoma State? That is the quintessential step back, glass of lemonade in your hand, other hand on your waist, and just say, it's not so bad after all. And when we tee it up next year, we'll be right back to normal. So that's kind of where Oklahoma is right now. As for where Auburn is, they're, they're kind of seeing the window. Now, it's thin. It's just this little ray of light, but they see the window. One of my favorite movies is Twister, for obvious reasons. And when they end up finally chasing that F5, really, really late in the movie, uh, great special effects here, by the way. When they're finally chasing that F5 and, you know, they put Dorothy in the middle of the road, but then that jerk pine tree knocks Dorothy over. But then, get in! we got to get out of here. And so Bill steps on, the, uh, he steps on the floor in that Dodge. And then that tanker truck blows up right in front of him. Spoiler alert here. That tanker truck blows up right in front of him. Bill and Joe, well, they just drive into that huge ball of flame. And then they're gone for a second. And you're left there worrying in the theater three times if you went and saw it as much as I did. You're left wondering, did they make it? And then here comes Bill Paxton, like only Bill Paxton could do, rest his soul, with Helen Hunt riding shotgun. And they emerge from the ball of flame, and there they are. That is what Auburn football could be in the process of doing right now. They were dead in the water early in the year. They... You could make a strong argument they lost to Arkansas. At the very least, should have been handed a loss. Uh, The Kentucky game was certainly nothing to write home about. That was the definition of a struggle win. They got smashed by Georgia. They lost to South Carolina, and Will Muschamp didn't even make it to the end of the year before he got fired. That's the caliber of team they lost to at Carolina. And yet, here they are. They're 4-2. and This team feels like it's got five losses. They're 4-2. and And they played Ole Miss, and they got by Ole Miss, and then it just exploded against LSU. Not the tanker truck, mind you, but the product on the field exploded. Now, you could say, okay, well, a lot of teams have done that to LSU. That's the point. That's the ray of light. You don't fully know yet. Don't really know what Auburn's doing here. They got Tennessee Saturday. They had a second bye, as it turned out, because of COVID. And so what in the world are they going to look like Saturday? It's going to be one of those deals where they emerge from the ball of flames And there you go, tires squealing. Here comes Auburn down the stretch. And sure enough, they're clicking on all cylinders just in time to play Tennessee and then Bama and then Texas A&M. They got Mississippi State. Are they going to do that? Or are they just going to die of smoke inhalation, essentially? Graphic part number two of the show tonight. I don't know where Auburn is. This is a team that I'm very close to. I mean, I grew up 45 minutes away from Auburn, followed the program. I do not have a firm grasp on Auburn right now. I don't know who does. I really don't know who does. They got one of the hot emerging tailbacks in America in Tank Bigsby. Bo Nix, at least for one afternoon against LSU, lived up statistically to what everyone expected of him when he arrived on the Plains. Is there any consistency over the final month of the year? That's what people want to see there. And last but not least, the University of Southern California. Had to think about this one. I know where my mind is on USC. I had to think about the proper metaphor, the proper mood setting. The mood setting for them is just toss the umbrella. That's the mood of most Southern Cal fans. Now, this is kind of weird. If you were a, a space alien and you just land on planet Earth, you see a 2-0 and team. How could anybody be upset with a 2-0 and team? Here's how. Uh, number one, space alien, you lack context, so go home. But number two, I... I don't like the phrase, a win is a win, in college. In the NFL, I'm fine with it because it is a parody-driven league. This is college football. A win is not a win. 
okay, you beat UT Chattanooga 30 to 27 versus 63 to nothing. Those two wins are not equal because of what's coming down the road if you're struggling to get past the mocks, all due respect. But a win's not a win. And so you got Southern Cal here, and most people in the USC fan base entered this season not believing that Clay Helton was the long term answer for their program. And it's kind of like if, you, if you're walking through the rain and you have an umbrella that's not really getting the job done, um, and, and so you, you, you move this way and your shoulder gets wet, and then you look down and you move that way and your right pants leg is soaked, and it's like you still have an umbrella up there, but it's got a hole in it, so like your shoulder over here is wet again on the other side, but it's still there. You might as well just toss it. The thing might as well just turn inside out and you just toss it, and I'm already wet in a number of places, whatever. I'll, I'll just take the soaking. Well, right now, Southern Cal has a badly, badly faulty umbrella, but one that is still serviceable above their head. And you you got a double-digit favorite situation against multiple teams, and we squeak by by three points here and three points there, and our shoulder's wet and our arm's wet and our pants leg is wet, but umbrella's still hanging in there. Mm -mm. A lot of of Trojan fans would just assume throw that umbrella away. As Hilary Duff once sang, let the rain fall down. Come Clean, I think, was the name of that song. Colin, one of your favorites, I think. And so that's what they want. There's one small problem, though. And the problem, as it turns out, again, wouldn't make much sense to the space alien over here, but the problem is this pesky little thing called a 2-0 record. They keep winning, and they're favored by three against Utah Saturday. I picked them to lose, but, I mean, if they follow through in what has become Trojan fashion this year, They're going to find a way to be plus four turnover Saturday and get out gained by 195 yards, but still win 26 to 24. Capsule that. It may actually happen. So that's the mood tracker for right now. There's a lot going on. In a COVID year, I told you, it didn't matter about COVID. It's not going to matter. People's emotions are going to be no different this year than they normally are. Speaking of emotions, the winning emotion, that's the one we want and the feeling that comes along with it. The Ramen Noodle Express, above 57% right now. Our best bet hit last night for the fifth week in a row. We had Northern Illinois plus 14. They lost by six, so shame for them. Good for us, though. And we have several more to give you, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up right now. This will not be it. I'm going to have more. We're waiting on a couple of numbers to move. Got a total that I'm eyeballing. Could be weather-based, maybe not. Follow me on Twitter. Got to follow me for reasons I'm about to stress to you emphatically in a second. At Late Kick Josh. Colin, let's roll it here. Our first bet, we've already gotten it out of the way. It's a win. We might as well put a green check mark next to it. Northern Illinois plus 14 cashes for us last night. Saturday game, Ohio State favored by 20.5. We're taking the Buckeyes minus 20.5. That number's still at 20.5, by the way. This is a game tomorrow night. We've got two Friday night games here. Louisville. They are favored by 18. We're not taking Louisville, though. We're taking Syracuse. Syracuse, plus 18. I think you could even find 19 out there if you waited. We like Syracuse under two touchdowns, so we're fine there either way. We like either number. So, Cuse plus 18. We're taking Air Force, minus 7 against New Mexico. And this is the one I warned you about. I tweeted it out as soon as we got a heads up today about the quarterback situation at UCLA. At the time, Oregon was minus 13. I put it out today because I knew we were not going to be able to make it to the show tonight before that line moved. Now, I thought it was going to move to 15. Line moved to 17 or 17 and a half right now. We got you, Oregon, minus 13, if you were following on Twitter earlier today, at Late Kick Josh. So in summary, if you're listening on podcast, Ohio State minus 20 and a half, Syracuse plus 18, Air Force minus 7, Oregon minus 13, and the caveat again that I will have more 
coming for you. It's, it's a 95% certainty that I will have at least one, if not multiple, additional games coming uh, at some point before they kick the games off Saturday. So follow me on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. Hey, we, ha- we got 13, I think 14 games postponed this weekend, which may sound bad, but I want to tell you the feeling in the industry over the weekend was that this week was going to be way worse than last week. And so far, it hasn't been the tsunami of cancellations or postponements that was expected. So knock on the closest wood you can find. Um, let, let's cross those fingers like I tweeted out last week and it didn't end up working. Let's hope we get these games in Saturday. Another reminder, actually, I meant to lead the show with this. Um, I've got a couple of sessions that have opened tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday. And so I got a couple of sessions that are open for those of you interested in booking the one-on-one Zoom consultations, interested in sports media or building a YouTube channel, podcast, whatever it is. If you just got questions you want to ask, I had a guy book a session and just wanted to talk Big Ten football for an hour a couple of weeks ago whatever. Book the sessions and um, let's talk about what you can do, where you can go, what you should be focused on, what you should be focused on. JoshPate706 at gmail.com or on Twitter at LateKickJosh. We got to get out of here uh, because I haven't eaten in like three hours. It's really starting to set in at this point. So for Director Colin, for Jordan on the podcast side, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great weekend and God bless. Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 